Welcome to The Rebound, where we'll explore the issues facing supply chain managers as our industry gets back up and running in a post-COVID world. This podcast is hosted by Abe Eskenazi, CEO of the Association for Supply Chain Management, and Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Abe and Bob welcome your comments. Now to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of The Rebound. Say goodbye to 2020. I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Eskenazi. So Abe, we're coming to the end of the year and the last podcast of the year. When I was thinking about a title for uh, today's recording, Green Day's Good Riddance, I hope you had the time of your life came to mind, um, as did that old saying about the Lincoln assassination. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play? It's been quite a year. And uh, I think for almost every individual and every organization, I think this has been a um, a wake-up call for all of us, uh, not only on the health side, but on our just daily living. And I I think most of us are glad to put 2020 in the rearview mirror and get uh, moving forward here. I couldn't agree with you more. So when we launched this adventure last spring, supply chains were all over the news and for all the wrong reasons. Retail shelves were empty. Next day delivery had morphed into next week delivery, sometimes next month delivery. And people just couldn't get the stuff they wanted when they wanted it. That's job one in supply chain management. So when we launched this, we had a simple idea to look at what was going right in supply chain management. Our first episode was just you and me talking about what we were watching. And it seemed only right to end the year on the same note. So today, you're going to be the guest instead of the host. Let's get started. When you think of the ASCM membership, your organization, um, and the executives you've spoken to, what's your most important takeaway from the last six months? Yeah, I think that's a, the wake-up call that we uh, just discussed a little while ago. I, I think in a number of different ways, the awareness of supply chain has come to the forefront for every consumer, every patient, every organization across the globe. Uh, I think that's the first step is that the interconnectedness and the complexity that is required to have an effective supply chain has really been put to the test. Uh, we operate in a very efficient environment prior to the pandemic. Uh, we were harmonizing and synchronizing our supplies, our demand, inventories were low. We had a very effective economy prior to this. Obviously, the impact on the pandemic on every aspect of our lives from, uh, as you just spoke, uh, from our daily um, commodities to vaccines, we're seeing the impact of supply chain having a dramatic um, shift on our expectations and also our lives. And then lastly, um, we are adaptive. And I think that's probably one of the other great takeaways here is that in spite of the disruptions, in spite of all the challenges that we faced, we're seeing that supply chains can be adaptive and they can respond when given the opportunity to get the right data and to uh, get back to synchronizing what we do. And then finally, it's obvious that we are in a rapidly changing environment and that a lot of the rules that we played uh, against and with over the past uh, few years are starting to get challenged in terms of how do you respond, how do you support your consumers and your patients across the globe. So uh, supply chain is now in everybody's vernacular. The challenge that we have now is to make it as effective as and efficient as it was prior to the pandemic, knowing what we know now about disruptions. 
So um, to that last point, um, I'm, I'm gonna throw a curveball out here that we hadn't discussed, but I just wondered if you're seeing the following with ASCM. So, you know, you and I are both in the supply chain business, but not directly, right? We don't manage supply chains. My readers, your members are the folks that, you know, do the heavy lifting. And, uh, and at Peerless Media, you know, the company I work for, we do six magazines. And historically, uh, my little magazine, Supply Chain Management Review, was the smallest in terms of circulation and also the smallest in terms of revenue. And this year, with um, everything going on and supply chain you know, going up in profile, we're, we're still smaller in terms of circulation, but all of a sudden we've risen to the fore as the largest in revenue. Um, there's an awful lot of interest out there. And, and like my website traffic now um, is consistent with our biggest publications. I just wondered in terms of interest um, you know, in supply chain management, if you're seeing at ASCM sort of the uptick in interest in you know, memberships and certifications, that sort of thing. Absolutely. I think we're seeing a number of different opportunities here um, for individuals at entry level, and that is individuals just looking for a job. Uh, the demand on logistics, warehousing, and distribution has probably never been greater than it is today. So there are opportunities for individuals to get back on to a payroll. Uh, these are not necessarily career-oriented individuals, but may have been displaced from the retail or some of the food service industries that have been significantly impacted. So that's on the entry level. mid career and late stage career, we are seeing a significant uptick in terms of not only the demand for supply chain individuals, but the quality and the competency of these individuals is being tested right now. Uh, we had a shortage prior to the pandemic. We're seeing a, you know, being exasperated even further right now for these talented individuals. Interest is across the board and across industries as well. There are a lot of industries that really didn't see that they had a supply chain program or a supply chain need. And now they're seeing the impact of working with their suppliers, working through their customers. And so now they're, the common, you know, sort of definition and embracing of supply chain as a strategic imperative for a lot of organizations is elevated. So we need to match that, you know, the focus on supply chain as you're describing with the competency and the capabilities of individuals that can drive these supply chains into the future. I can't think of a better time for individuals and for supply chain to be recognized for the contribution that it makes. Thanks. I want to throw something out that I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks, and bear with me because this is a little bit of a long windup, um, but, but I do have a point at the end. So, you know, our first guest was the supply chain leader at Agco, and, uh, you know, they're a large manufacturer of agricultural equipment, and they told the story about how they started hearing rumblings of something going on in Wuhan and then Northern Italy that could be disruptive to their business as early as early January, 2019. They took those rumblings serious. They put an action plan in place. And what seemed great about their story is they never lost a day of production and they kept operating across the globe. They came up with a playbook and they just kept going. And you know, when we interviewed uh, Greg from Agco, the story seemed unique. It seemed like everything was falling apart and these folks figured it out. Well, at, the, uh, at, at my conference, and uh, Abe, you did the Q&A with the supply chain leader from Honeywell, we heard a pretty similar story in terms of Honeywell, you know, hearing these things coming um, from overseas and Honeywell sort of deciding we got to do something about it. So last week, I was catching up with a friend of mine from college who's the 
communications for a large, very large global manufacturer of electrical systems. And while we were talking about the effect of the pandemic on our lives, she was telling me that as early as January, they had production in Wuhan. They started hearing about the virus and then they were hearing about Italy. And she said before January was out, uh, they were having weekly global meetings, you know, of all their global leaders on a conference call. She came home on Valentine's Day, told her husband, you know, something bad is coming our way. She told me how they continued to operate through this whole thing. And then just a week or two ago, the Wall Street Journal did probably the longest article I've read in the Wall Street Journal about the CEO of Emerson Electric and sounded just like Agco, just like Honeywell, um, just like my friend. And what I started wondering is, why do you think some companies appear to have heard the warning signals, they took action, and other companies were caught flat-footed? I think what you're describing is the holy grail for a lot of organizations, and that is not only having those early warning signals uh, through transparency and visibility, but the ability to take action. And I think a lot of information is coming through the supply chain. And as we're getting data, supply chain professionals are trying to make sense of it in terms of what does this mean for my production? What does it mean for my suppliers? What does it mean for my distribution system? And so those questions are asked almost on a daily basis for organizations trying to rebalance their supply and demand uh, across the globe. So when we take a look at why did these companies, you know, thrive? Why did they not hurt as bad as a lot of other companies uh, through the disruption? First, as we just spoke about transparency and visibility, they had the data. So that's the first step is the availability of information that they were getting. So their scanning systems beyond tier one were effective. So they were getting the warning signals into the organization through their scanning and their, whether technology or whether through the, you know, the person to person communication. So that's first. Secondly, they were able to discern what that information meant. So whether through AI or through critical thinking of supply chain professionals, they're now able to take the information and make sense out of it and saying, okay, what does this mean to us as an organization? What does it mean to our suppliers? What does it mean to our distribution system? So they took the next step and saying, okay, what if? And so their response to the disruption was active. It was not passive. And so these organizations, had the ability to sense data. They had the ability to discern what was you know, significant, what was noise in the background. And then more importantly, they had the AI and the trained supply chain professionals to respond to these, uh, these data signals. It's important to note that this is, as you spoke about, this is not unique to any particular company, but it's putting those pieces together and making sense out of it to be able to respond to the challenges. Uh, we did a wonderful research paper with Morgan Swink on why companies uh, responded better than other companies. Those were some of the key indicators. They had visibility and transparency, that ability to scan beyond your tier one. And then lastly, the ability to take action and respond to these uh, challenges or these data signals that are in the market. So you just talked a little bit about technology. And um, you know, one of the things that we hear often is that the pandemic sped up the adoption of technology, also the expansion of e-commerce by about five years. A lot of that adoption, but not all of it, is being driven by the rapid expansion of e-commerce. And of course, you and I have had a number of technology-related guests on The Rebound. When you're thinking about you know, either uh, presenters for your conference or just what you're keeping an eye on at ASCM, 
is there a technology or technologies that you think are going to be most useful going forward? What are you watching? Yeah, uh, really uh, good point uh, there, Bob. I think there's a few of them that uh, are gaining attention of our members beyond the uh, passive interest. There are some that have already been in place and they were seeing greater investment in those. So obviously IoT and robotics, those have been within our systems for quite a while now. Now we're seeing that connection between IoT and robotics into AI and predictive analytics. So now that we're, you know, going back to the point before about getting information, what do you do with it? There's a tremendous amount of data being generated through these technology systems and the ability to discern and to identify what's critical for us, what's a leading indicator for us to make changes. So the first leveraging IoT and robotics, the investment that we've made as an industry um, in that. Next, AI and predictive analytics. And that is the ability to discern what you need to do with that information. As we just indicated, there is a wealth of information and data in the marketplace, the ability to narrow down what's critical to the organization to act upon, obviously is a, you know at the forefront. One of the other areas that we're paying attention to and that has picked up a lot of momentum and we just, uh, I believe we'll have a one of our rebound presenters from FedEx on, um, on blockchain. I think this is a significant change for a lot of organizations as the trust in partners and the trust in the technology starts to become more um, accepted. I think you'll see quite a bit of change in blockchain and hopefully focused on the efficiency that it's you know going to provide. Blockchain as well as AI, IoT, this, these are data generating technologies. The challenge that you have is how do you embrace that data and then make efficiency and effective decisions out of it so you can enable your organizations. Lastly, the investment in technology has to be matched with the investment in talent. Uh, as we've all learned over the years, just investing in technology does not get you over the hump. You need to match that with the investment in the talent to make use out of the data. So uh, while technology is still you know, at the forefront of investment, we hope that it's matched with the technology and the talent that um, is able to run and discern and use that technology. That's a great segue to uh, our next question, because, um, you know, the people side of the supply chain is something that I know you uh, and your team focus on at ASCM. We had Caddy Kay on the podcast and talked about diversity in the workplace. And she also uh, talked about the uh, impact of the pandemic um, on the workplace. What do you think has been the impact uh, of the pandemic on talent in the supply chain and what's going to be yeah. the impact going forward? Uh, I think this has been an evolving, you know, challenge and opportunity for a lot of organizations. If you want to make a difference, uh, supply chain is an area that you need to embrace for a, you know, for a career. But in digging down on the impact that the pandemic has had on workforce, uh, you know, not only in working from home, but the challenges of maintaining a culture, maintaining that development, uh, mentoring and fostering, you know, cross division communication and collaboration has been a significant challenge for supply chain. But let's dig into a little bit of the areas that we saw that has more significant impact. Uh, first, the impact on women has been disproportionate through this pandemic. Uh, not only did they pick up their work out of the office and bring it home, but they had domestic responsibilities in addition to a lot of individuals having homeschool responsibilities. So this has been a disproportionate impact on women within the workforce. Secondly, uh, we just talked about the talent gap that we have. A focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion needs to be part of any um, strategic plan for talent development. If you want to acquire, if you want to retain, and if you want to develop the right talent, you need to have 
diversity within your supply chain, um, not only in terms of the leadership, but in terms of mentoring as well as role models. We just don't have enough of those individuals in diversity, whether through gender or otherwise, for other individuals to embrace. And then uh, we talked a little bit before about entry level as well as leadership opportunities within supply chain. There has been no greater an example of the need for leadership in supply chain than we've seen through this pandemic. So um, we, I often use this uh, example quite a bit. There are two functions within an organization that have to know everything that goes on in the company. The first is finance. Nothing goes on in the organization without financing, finance having a role or responsibility. Secondly, is supply chain. Nothing occurs in an organization without supply chain having some impact on it. And yet when we see leadership development moving into the C-suite, specifically COO or CEOs, it's traditionally from the finance or from a sales function. I think what we're seeing is that the leadership now is starting to come from supply chain as well. This is a wonderful opportunity for individuals to drive supply chain talent and leadership through an organization and have the ability and competency to do so. So this is a wonderful opportunity for individuals at entry level, mid-career, and late stage. If you want to make a difference in the world, supply chain provides that great opportunity for you. Next last question. So you and I are in the communication education business, and 2020 was the year the supply chain and our events went virtual. How do you think an organization like ASCM and a publication like SCMR are going to need to adapt to reach our audiences? Yeah, I think like every other industry that we just talked about and the impact that the pandemic has had on them, I think uh, when we oh, you know, lift the mirror and take a look at ourselves, we recognize like almost every industry that's been affected, we've had to go virtual as well for a lot of the things that we do. So our distribution systems used to have face-to-face -face blended as well as online activities. Um, obviously, the pandemic has forced us to a completely online format in the, you know, the short time after the pandemic hit. What the future of face-to-face -face looks like, as well as blended or online virtual events, I think is a TBD. I think most organizations, uh, Supply Chain Management Review, ASCM, and a lot of other uh, conference providers are hoping and planning for face-to-face -face in the future, but I think it's going to be at a lower volume or a lower participation than we've had. While we may desire to have those kinds of events, the question is, are employers or individuals comfortable to go to those events? And this may be a transition period over maybe a one to two year period when we start to see the comfort vaccines having a much more greater impact on our, you know, the, the infection rate. So as we're starting to see the pandemic tamp down, and I, as everybody hopes, it's sooner than later. We're probably going to see some of the face-to-face -face meetings come back, but as you're in our organization, right now it is um, anytime, any place, any device that you need to reach your members, and that's what we're focused on right now. We need to meet our members where they need the content as opposed to where we've traditionally provided it. So no different than food, no different than a lot of the other industries that have been uh, impacted by the shift in demand. We've had a shift in demand in terms of where we deliver and how we deliver our content. So um, the future will be face-to-face. -face, it will be blended. It will be completely virtual. And we need to prepare our organizations to respond to the challenges that our consumers and the companies that we serve alike. Last question. And, you know, there, there are so many things, but if you had to narrow it down to one or two, what do you think is going to be the lasting impact on supply chains of the pandemic, if any? I think the focus on resiliency and agility, 
the disruption has had a significant impact on us. Uh, obviously, we were an industry that focused on efficient and effective supply chains at a low cost with high delivery volumes and frequency. The e-commerce side and the demands from consumers is probably not going to reduce. I think consumers will still expect high variety, low cost and rapid delivery for their products and services. So that's gonna drive global supply chains. But we also need to pay attention to the disruptions that have occurred. As we started the conversation, that interconnectedness and the complexity of supply chain, when one part of the supply chain does not address or meet its expectations, the ripple effect on the entire supply chain is significant. We're not going to see, well, we hope that we never see a disruption like this again and that the impact on organizations is far-reaching in terms of how do you respond to the disruption? So we talked about organizations that did respond appropriately. Well, how does resiliency and agility become part of the DNA of an organization? Whether we're talking about environmental uh, pandemics as we're dealing with now or terrorism or cyber attacks that is in the news right now, Organizations are dealing with these types of disruptions on a daily basis. So you need supply chain talent and you need supply chain leadership to not only be able to prepare an organization for these types of disruptions, but to reduce, mitigate, and avoid the types of disruptions that we're focused on. Lastly, we were an industry that focused on just-in-time, that reduced inventories, very efficient, effective systems. We need to match that with just-in-case. And that is identifying what is critical to our supply chains, what's in the national interest, what's in the global interest for our economies and for our people and our health, and identify how do we respond to the just-in-case demands that are going to be um, in place in the future. We don't know what they're going to be, but there are going to be disruptions in the future. We need to prepare our supply chains and the ability to respond and to adapt to these different types of environments in the future. Thanks. And, you know, as we're wrapping this up first, I just want to say thanks for doing this uh, to the listeners. Uh, this was a, a, to a large degree Abe's idea. Um, I've had a ball doing it and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing it next year after the new year. Bob, I couldn't be more pleased with the work that we've done here. Being able to share our you know, insight and then more importantly, getting the individuals that are responsible and that are changing supply chain for our listeners, uh, I think has been an extraordinary opportunity for us as an organization. And with Supply Chain Management Review, I can't think of a better partner. Well, there we go. Um, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank uh, our listeners for listening on this one and uh, all the uh, podcasts. We've had a great response to it. I hope you'll be back for our next episode going live on January 14th, when we'll be joined by Dale Christie, a blockchain strategist with FedEx. Uh, Abe referred to him a little uh, earlier, and I think you'll find it a great discussion. For The Rebound, I'm Bob Troublecock. And I'm Abe Ashkenazi. Have a great holiday and a new year. The Rebound is a joint production of the Association for Supply Chain Management and Supply Chain Management Review. For more information, be sure to visit ASCM.org and SCMR.com. We hope you'll join us again.